Amen. Well, again, good morning and happy new year. I'm glad uh, to be back in person and looking forward to 2021. As uh, you uh, prepare for this year, uh, I want to invite you uh, to think about uh, your word for the year. Last Sunday, I shared my word of the year, which is forward. Uh, we need to move forward, uh, kind of past 2020. I use Philippians 3 as the past for that we're straining or stretching forward uh, like that Olympic athlete going for the finish line to, to live out the upward call of Christ. And for us to do that, uh, to move forward, uh, we've got to forget what lies behind us, sort of put the things of 2020, 2020 uh, behind us. And that means that we move forward in, in regathering uh, the saints, that we come together in worship and encouragement and study together, that, that we move forward in perhaps giving one another plenty of grace for last year. Uh, because there was a lot of division last year, a lot of uh, differing opinions, a lot of thoughts uh, that even folks in this room, in this body, and among Christians disagreed. And so we need to give each other plenty of grace. We need to move forward in grace. And so I hope that you are thinking about your word, if you don't have one already, of, of what God would say to you, what he would speak to you, how he would use you in 2021. Uh, several folks have already shared theirs with me. Uh, I've had someone even this morning, their word is thankful. Uh, others, their word is joy, uh, proactive, care. And so again, all over the map, it doesn't have to be overly spiritual and, you know, some, you know, holier than thou word. Uh, just what does God want to say to you? How does he want you to move uh, in this year? And so I want to invite you to be thinking about that uh, as we move into 2020. How will God speak to you? And then uh, just to remind you, because it is a new year, but the vision of our church uh, doesn't change. Uh, we want to continue to prepare and send disciple-making missionaries. And who are those disciple-making missionaries? You are, that's right. You're the disciple-making missionaries, and me too, uh, who will strengthen families, love neighbors, and transform communities with the gospel. And 2020 uh, put a little kink uh, in uh, our desire to help accomplish that first part, the preparation part. But at the end of February, you need to be paying attention to all this. And because I haven't been with you in person for three weeks, all this is for free bonus material. At the end of February, we're going to have an opportunity for you to sit down uh, in a setting to, to learn and to look back at how God has worked in your own life, how he's arranged circumstances and people, and, and to begin to kind of dive into how God wants to use you and to equip you to use you beyond the walls of the church. How can you be a person who goes out and is a person who helps strengthen families? You're a person who goes out and loves those who need loving and the, the person who can transform by the power of the gospel, the people around you. And so being paying attention to that, uh, we're excited uh, for 2021 and what God's going to do in the life of our church. And so all that was for free today. Uh, we're going to start a new series. I figured since it's January 1st and we didn't have such an awesome 2020 that we need some new things. We need something new. 
So over the next four or five weeks, we're going to talk about this thing called new in our series, All Things New. There's about 45 or 50 times in the scripture the word new is used. Uh, We're not going to look at all of them. Uh, We're going to look at four or five of them. But today, we're going to be in Psalm 33 and look at All Things New, Sing a new song. And we're going to talk about what it means to worship, to honor God, to to have our heart tuned to him and what that means. So if you got your Bible, you can begin turning there. And and as you do that, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to be excited and to, to be filled with joy, to, to be exuberant in our worship and, and understand that because our, our lives are, are often filled with excitement. But for some reason, when we get into this place or other places like this, we have a tendency to be subdued. And, and we focus maybe more on the awe and the reverence of God instead of the joy and excitement and proclamation of God. And, and I remember, I, this is one of the greatest stories of my life because a number of years ago, one of my very good friends, who at the time was a patent lawyer, okay? He was an engineer and a lawyer. And he was in patent law, well, he and I together attended a game. Some say the greatest game of all time. And we were there and our team happened to win. And everyone was excited, jumping up and down. Tom Kite, the golfer, some of you might know that name, was sitting about four rows in front of us. Uh, Jenna Bush, now Jenna Bush Hager, was about five rows behind us. Her and her entourage and the 25 Secret Service that were, you know, not supposedly there with her. And my friend, this patent lawyer, was jumping up and down. We're high-fiving everybody in front of us and behind us. Complete strangers were excited. And, And he somehow got to the aisle. I don't even know how. And he turned around to this young lady behind us. And they go to high 10, right? Not high five, high 10. And he trips on the step and tackles her. And they both kind of pop up and he helps her up. And it was like nothing ever happened. They kept singing and and excited and looking at the scoreboard and the fans are going crazy. And and it didn't matter. It didn't matter that we made fools of ourselves in front of complete strangers. Because we were excited that our team won. And as I think about that story all the time, And he might be watching online today, so it'll be a good thrill for him. He lives in West Texas now. But I think about that moment and how excited we got over a game and how often I'm pretty guilty and maybe some of us are guilty of not being very excited and joyful about the things of God. And today we're going to look at this Psalm 33 and and see what it means to be called on to worship with a joy and exuberance and excitement. And it's okay to be loud sometimes. And so if you've got your Bible, let's look at Psalm 33. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. 1 through 7 will be on the screen for you. But it says this. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. 
Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his steadfast love, of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Thank you, Ben, for getting all nine verses. Shout for the Lord, shout for joy in the Lord. God calls us to worship enthusiastically. He calls us to worship with joy and excitement. We, we should be excited to come and worship. And he does so by giving us six imperatives. And since most of us have been out of school for at least two weeks, that's a command. An imperative is a command. Here are the things that if we're going to shout, if we're going to shout and sing and worship, here's how we need to make that happen. If we're going to worship with enthusiasm, the first one is to shout joyfully. We need to worship shouting joyfully, singing joyfully. Some translations say, I wonder, are you excited to sing are you excited to hear the word spoken? Are you excited to be in the presence of God? Are you excited to declare the goodness of God? Because we get excited about a lot of things. We shout about a lot of things. We shout when our team wins. We shout when our team loses. We shout when our kids do something great. We shout when our kids do something bad or they don't listen. We shout, we get excited. We raise our voice when we're angry or happy. But I wonder how often are we boisterous with our praise? Not out of control like a banshee. No, but excited, the joy of the Lord. The fact that God loves me unconditionally and I'm here to respond to him. I, I'm here to worship him. I'm here to honor him. No one loves me more than God himself. And so I want others to know, to see my joy. And whether you have a mask on or not, people can see your joy. They know it. They can hear it. And how you speak and what you say. And even if you don't sing very well, they know it to be true. And so if you and I want to worship enthusiastically, we need to sing and shout for joy. We need to praise him. That's how we worship enthusiastically is to offer praise to our heavenly father, to exclaim the greatness of God's character, because worship is not about you and me. That, that sometimes we forget in our modern world, worship isn't about you. It, it's not, it's not about us. Worship is about our heavenly father. 
And so I want to exclaim the greatness of who he is. I want to talk about his character. I want to know his character. Even in this passage, the psalmist talks about his character. He is the creator God. He spoke it into existence. That's who he is. He is creator. He is creative God also. He is holy and righteous. He's just and right and true. We're going to talk about those in a minute. Do, do we list, do we reflect on, do we think about the character of God and his actions toward his people, that he's full of loving kindness, that his love is perfect, that he's gracious and good, that he never wavers. That's his character. That's who he is. I want to praise him because he never changes. And so I want to encourage you in this new year, in 2021, to, to write down, write down, how do I know that God is who he is? I, I want to write down testimony of his character in my life and, and how I see the world operate, how he is true and faithful. I want to remember those things. I want to acknowledge those things. I want to make record that's my worship, to give him praise and to give thanks. We worship enthusiastically by giving thanks. Thankfulness is the opposite of want. We all want something, don't we? Some of you made a list of things you want this season. And some of you got some of those and others got none of them. Right? Not because you were bad, but just because. <laughs> There's one thing that stays on my list every year and I've never gotten it and I never will. But I still want it. If you want to know, you can ask me later. Because you might be the one to grant it. But thankfulness is the opposite of want. It's also the opposite of complaint. And so how often have we found ourselves complaining in the last 12 months? Perhaps more than ever about everything. And yet if I'm going to be a person who sings a new song, who has a new outlook, then I want to give thanks. I want to express my gratitude to God because I'm content. Because I know the blessing that I have been given I'll tell you, I'm thankful for big things and small things. I'm thankful that yesterday I got Mexican food and Whataburger in the same day. Right? We, we, we need to praise the Lord for that. And, and, and I'm thankful that even last night I got to watch the sunset in beautiful Galveston, Texas. Right? I got to watch it go down and, and to see the beauty of God's creation. And sometimes we forget about those kind of things. We, we focus on the big stuff that we really want, that we think God needs to do for us. And yet worship and a, and a connection to God is really about the small stuff too. And so do I understand the goodness of God in my life? Do you understand personally how good God is to you and to give him thanks for that? to sing, to proclaim, to pray, to give testimony of his goodness 
to thank him and to share that thankfulness with others. And so if we want to worship enthusiastically, we must give thanks and we must make melody. And so the question is, is there a song in your heart? Now, I'm so good at music that I can play the radio really well. And that's it. Like I couldn't play, and I've shared this a bunch, the little recorder in elementary school, I couldn't play that. That's how bad I am at music. I don't read music. I, I can't stay on pitch or on beat. But is there a new song in your heart? Is there a song in your heart? Is there a tune that honors God? We don't use harps very much anymore. Some of you are grateful for that. Some of you may not be. But we do use guitars and bass guitars and electric guitars, which I am thankful for. Amen? That was, mm, that was okay. No, but there, there's a melody. Is there a song within you that you know you can declare to the Lord of his great and mighty works? Is there a song in your heart in response to God? Do we make melody? Do we desire to sing that song to him, to share that song? Whether you have musical talent or not, it doesn't matter. We need to make melody. We need to sing and praise and declare to our Heavenly Father our love for him and his love for us. And so make melody in your heart and sing a new song. If we want to worship enthusiastically, we must sing a new song. And the object of this song is important, right? It's not on the Hot 100, whatever song that might be. No, it's a song to him, right? It's very important, the object. Sing to him a new song. And God's not so concerned about your vocal skill in this statement here. He's not concerned about it. He's interested in your heart. Is your heart tuned to him? Are you singing a song to him? Are you listening for a new song that he may give you? And I don't mean a new song we might sing up here, you hear on the radio. No, a new song that because you're connected to him, he's speaking to you and you're hearing from him and you have a new melody in your heart. You have excitement in your soul. You're excited to sing this new song. Can you believe it's been 15 years since Happy Feet came out, the movie? 15 years. We're old people. 15 years. But what a great movie about this whole idea. Little Mumble, right? Couldn't sing to save his life, right? Poor guy. But what could he do? He could move his feet. And he could dance a new song. And so that's the issue. It was his heart song. And so what is our heart song? Is our heart song devoted to God? Is our heart song a desire to be pleasing to our Heavenly Father? Is our heart song to to live in righteousness and justice and love and grace? Sing a new song. 
My family listens to a variety of music and in the summer, it's mostly yacht rock. If you have Sirius XM, you know what that is. But if you and I want to sing a new song, you need to be listening to his song to you, which is his word. If you and I want to be able to sing a new song, we have to be connected to him by diving into his word, by connecting with his people. That's what brings us to sing a new song. And it's not asking us, right? This sing a new song isn't asking us to suddenly become these great songwriters and composers, right? We're we're not designed to, oh, hey, I got a new song. Let me just jot it down and share it with everybody. That's not the idea here that we're suddenly songwriters and composers, No, scholars believe that even in this passage, it's taking a truth of God. He is the mighty creator. His works are without compare. And retelling that story in a unique and fresh way. That I see the movement of God in my life and I want to declare it today. And so if you're here this morning, whether you're here in the room or you're online and you look back over your spiritual journey and the last time you remember God doing something new and fresh in your life was 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, let me invite you this morning to come back to him, to sing a new song. Because God didn't call us to rely on those things from decades ago. No, he wants to sing us, he wants us to sing a new song today to him. And so you and I need to dive into his word, read or write down things in which we know he's been faithful, prayers that he's answered, ways in which we can't explain it, but we know God did this. We declare those, share those. That's the new song that we're singing because our heart has been tuned to him. It's been changed because we see who he is and what he's done. And so I want to praise him. I want to sing praise to him in a new way to give thanks for his goodness to me. And so do we sing a new song? Are we content to ride on something from years ago? God wants to see, be a fresh and anew with him every day, every year. And so let's do it today. And then this sixth imperative is very specific. It doesn't actually apply to all of us, but he says to play skillfully. And so if you're here today and you have talent to play or sing, please don't waste it. Don't waste it. Use it for the glory of God. Use it to honor your heavenly father. Use it to help the people of God praise him. So you need to hone your talent. You need to develop it. You need to honor him by playing with excellence. I'm glad he doesn't say play perfectly. Play skillfully. Practice, get it right. You don't have to be perfect, but do so with honor. Play skillfully means to to play in a way that's pleasing to him and to others that you know which chord you're supposed to be playing in that moment for all you stringed instrument people. 
He knows. You know. And so play skillfully. And if you're here today and you have a talent, you have a skill, you have a gift in music, please take the calling of the psalmist and use it to honor God. Because God always desires for you and me to bring a fresh voice. There's always room for a fresh voice, a fresh skill, a fresh instrument to be brought in, a new song to declare the goodness of God, to retell again and again that old, old story of the gospel that Jesus came for you and me to live perfectly, to die on the cross, to be raised again three days so that we would experience salvation from our sins and eternity with him. There's always room for a new song that declares that. And as you and I think about those six imperatives on what it means to worship enthusiastically, you may be asking, well, why should we worship in the first place? What does it even matter? Can't we just sort of sit at home and watch it on TV like we've been doing for the last nine months? Right? That's not very fun. I, I, well, maybe it is fun for you. I don't like it because it's weird to watch yourself on TV. Very weird. But we worship as a response to God's word and to his works. The reason why we sing a new song, the reason why we play skillfully, the reason why we make melody, the reason why we sing a new song to him and give praise and thanks is out of a response to his word and to his works. And as you might imagine, the psalmist gave us six imperatives, six commands to worship, and then he gives us six truths about God's word and his works. He begins with God's word. For the word of the Lord is upright. And in some translations, it says upright and true. Those two things, upright and true, right and true. His word is honest. His word is never failing. It's without error. It's greater in height and depth than any other word in existence. It will last forever. And so I worship because of his word. I worship because his word is right and true. There's a well-known Presbyterian minister from about 40 or 50 years ago, and he said it this way, and he said it perfectly. He said, we say, talking about us, humanity, we say one thing and do another so that we are inconsistent at best and hypocritical or blatantly dishonest at our worst. God, on the other hand, is utterly consistent, always upright and consistently good. What a great summation of this passage. The word of the Lord is upright. Our word is inconsistent at best but he is always consistent and I want to praise and honor and worship him for that. And I want to worship him not just because his word is true and right. I want to worship him because his works are faithful. They're steady. They maintain fidelity. We all know the word infidelity, 
because it's related to the marriage covenant. When you have infidelity, you break the marriage covenant, but God's word is full of fidelity. It's true. It's never broken. It doesn't break. It's faithful. His works are faithful. He is righteous and he loves righteousness. He loves those things that are correct and true and right. He loves justice. And justice and judgment in the scripture are often used interchangeably. And we have a very negative connotation of judgment. But justice and judgment are this. It's making the right decision at the right time in the right way. And that's what God does. And he loves justice because he is the one who makes the correct judgment every time, in all ways, in all circumstance, in every moment. And so I want to worship a God who never makes a mistake. I don't want to worship someone who makes mistakes. I want to worship a God who never makes an error, who always has the correct judgment and is just. He is right and true and loving. His love is unfailing, the scripture says. It never ends. It's unconditional. And I'm excited and I want to shout for joy because his love is unconditional. It doesn't change. He doesn't love me less when I make a fool of myself. And he doesn't love me more when I'm goody two shoes. He loves me the same. His love is unchanging, never ending, always the same, unconditional. And the scripture here says, the psalmist says, his, the earth is full of his steadfast love. That's hard to believe right now. But you know why that's hard to believe? Because as I think about this passage, who has God given his love to? That's not rhetorical. Us. He's given his love to us. And so who are the ones to share and to spread and to fill the earth with his steadfast love? Us. Us. And so in our worship... In our worship, in our response to his love that is unfailing, shouldn't we be people who demonstrate that same unfailing love to others? And the earth will be filled. The world will be different. That's our response to him. That we're walking through life with joy and thanksgiving and grace and peace. We have a song in our heart when everyone else is fussing because their mask is on. And we can show them a different way in response to our Heavenly Father. That's worship. Worship isn't just us hanging out in here for an hour, singing some songs and hearing me rattle on. No, worship is a lifestyle of you and me responding to the work of God in our life. And so I'm going to respond that his word is right and true, that his work in my life and your life and people that I know is just and perfect and full of love. And so I want to express those things everywhere I go with every person I meet. The bad news for us is that we're not perfect at it. And so we have to constantly be reminded 
of his love for us, his works in our lives so that we can be re-energized and filled with his spirit to go out again. Because even though he is perfect, we are not. We want to declare, we want to press forward with him. And so I want to invite you as we think about 2021, I, I want to invite you to worship this year afresh. Worship with a freshness, a newness that you haven't had. Don't let the circumstance of, of sort of the situation culturally because of a, a global pandemic, don't let the circumstance of, of a mask or no mask, don't let the circumstance of distance, don't let those things hinder your response to our heavenly father. Because he lets nothing hinder him from loving you. And so let's respond with a fresh, a new song in our hearts, with fervor, with excitement, with joy, with exuberant joy. And I even spelled it wrong in my notes. Exuberant joy. Let's get excited about the things of God. That's what 2021 has for us. All things new. And so let's start with a new song in our heart. Will you pray with me?